Thank you, buddy. Good morning. Uh, I know some of you wanted to see Amy today, and I, I just need to confess my sin before you, before we uh, get into it. So uh, she had a little pimple on her back that I was very excited to pop. Are, are there any others amongst you who, who quite enjoy it? You just, just like not high, but just, you just go like, I was so excited. And I, I literally gave it a this. And it turned out it wasn't a pimple, it was an abscess that then popped inside her and then expanded right the way across. And, uh, and then we had to launch it. So some of you, you're loving this. You're like, you can imagine it all coming out and others of you want to vomit. Uh, but so, so that is why Ames isn't here. We're going to try and get her into the series anyway. Um, sorry for those of you who only came because it was Amy. Uh, and then, Brew, come grab a seat. And then, uh, I'll, I'll probably intro you in a moment. Uh, if, if I look a little bit strange, just how's this for a weekend? So my wife's sick, and then um, Livy, who's uh, my little one, has about a 40-degree temperature yesterday. But, but amazing, I came home, laid hands on her, prayed like I've never prayed before, because wife and baby, no, uh, that's a problem. So I prayed, within 10 minutes she was from panting, literally panting, from, within 10 minutes she was running around the house like nothing had ever happened. It's just beautiful. But, but at about 12-something last night, Gracie came in and just started vomiting all over the floor, and I was too tired to pray. Just, your problem. Bye. Anyway, but I am here, and, uh, and we have beautiful Amy. I mean, we have Dave Gould here, so will you give him a hand for coming up? Dave is uh, one of my really, really good friends. Uh, he's been an elder here at the church. He's on our finance committee. And uh, Dave has his own journey with depression and mental health, and he's going to speak to that in a moment. But uh, it is such a privilege to have you, buddy. But uh, he, uh, he filled in yesterday for, for Amy. He said, don't worry, I'll help you out. So, so if this comes up raw, it's because it's raw. And that's what's, what's happening. But for those of you who don't know, we are in this series called Head and Heart. And, and last week, we, we kind of said that the world's in a pandemic flux syndrome, which means that basically we've been in flight, fight, or freeze for 18 months plus, plus some looting and a couple of other things which took flight and fright right up there. And, uh, and our bodies weren't made for this. Our minds weren't made for this. We've lived in stress for too long. And the result is that a whole bunch of us just want to cover our heads with a blanket, and another bunch of us want to just move country. It's just, it's kind of what happens when you're in this space. The, the amount of pain and mental health issues out there is huge, and so we decided we want to do a series called Head and Heart to speak to this, and so it's a privilege to have you, buddy. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks, Roscoe. Um, I'm high, you're low. Let me, you go high. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yeah, I'm sorry if you feel a bit short-changed uh, this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm about as far away from Amy as uh, anyone could be. <laughs> She's beautiful, young, got beautiful, gorgeous hair. <laughs> I've got none of those. Um, apparently, I've got a nice shirt, though. Huh? Yeah, 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 you're looking very good. Oh, and, and, and Roscoe and I, sir, we were surfing yesterday. It was my first surf. After a long time, I damaged my arm. And it was, it was so nice out there. I was enjoying it so much. When I, and when I heard about Ames, I put my hand up and little did I know, here I am <laughs> the next day. So it was a good and not so good surf. No, it was, it was good. Brilliant. Thanks, Roscoe. Buddy, let's dive in. So um, you went from being 
I would argue, my most optimistic, positive mate, uh, who charged at pretty much everything, to within a, a period of, I don't know, three, four months, to really depressed and landed up in meds. Maybe you can just talk us a little bit through the journey there and, and help people see the inside of, of our souls. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I didn't really even understand that glass half full and half empty thing. I'm going, the glass is always full. and It's not even half anyway, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was quite a shock. But it was gradual, you know. It was like a cancer. Um, I don't quite know what triggered it. Um, it was quite a four or five years ago, four and a half years ago. Um, but, yeah, there was these symptoms starting to come through. And my friends were starting to tell me that I was changing a bit. And then, then uh, finally my wife uh, suggested in inverted commas, <laughs> that I go and see one of my really good friends, who's a doctor, um, and he, yeah, he diagnosed me, um, and then he said, let's just be sure, I come back in four weeks' time, and let's diagnose again and just be sure, and yeah, he did, he, he diagnosed that I had uh, clinical depression, um, and we started some treatment, and um, yeah, I just want to talk about meds quickly, I want to destigmatize if I can, um, is that, yeah, they're not happy pills, they, they really just put you into a place where you can start processing well. Um, so I really want to thank the chemists out there and the, and the specialists that are working on these things. They're amazing. They really do help you um, process. Um, but it's just nice to see the stigma being removed from, from uh, meds like that. I mean, when I started, when I was in this four years ago, it was still a bit of a stigma, you know, why lack of faith, all these kind of things. And, uh, but now that's been opened up. So, so please, if you go get early help... Um, and yeah, certainly the meds do, do help, just to, just to frame your mind and so you can process things better. Davey, speak to us about the depression, just like what did it feel like, and, and you've got insight from some of the Psalms on, on what it was like. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, yesterday when Roscoe um, sent me an excerpt from a book by Chris Mark, Mark Comer, yeah. um, just said, does this resonate with me? I'm going to read it because it's like spot on. Depression is when sorrow becomes a way of life, not a phase. When joy, hope, and life are snuffed out of your soul. When you're sad for no reason at all. When no matter how hard you try, fight, and work, you can't pull yourself out of a bad mood. When you wake up sad. When the day grows worse with every passing hour. When pleasure is like ash in your mouth. When family and friends are distant. When you're tired all the time. When dreams and desires for the future die. And all motivation and energy is gone. When life is really, really horrible. Now, that is your... Depressing, but that is it. That uh, I mean, you asked how if that resonated. That is exactly it. Um, and Psalm, and in the Psalms, David often cries out, and um, he was definitely depressed. Mm. Yeah. Um, in Psalm six, he writes, "Have mercy on me, Lord, for I'm faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony." And I did feel that. I mean, if that's possible, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? And then in Psalm 88, which interestingly is not David, it's, it's a psalmist, Heman, who was one of David's ministers of music, of, of music. He writes, For my soul is full of trouble, and my life draws near the grave. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like a man without strength. So yeah, it was a shock you know, at the time when I started feeling this. And obviously, you know, looking back, I'm not all that surprised. You know, I really took on far too much. Um, but yeah, I was in denial originally, but then... Just realized, hang on, there's, there's help out there. So that should have taken you to the place of like, whoa. Um, someone said to me, don't worry, this too shall pass. Like a kidney stone, but it shall. That's, that's how some of us are, are potentially feeling. As you, as you kind of 
think through this, Dave, like a, a, a lot of where this sits and remains stuck is in your thoughts. And, uh, you know, I think we don't speak enough about spiritual warfare and, and our, the effects that depression has on our thoughts, that life has on thoughts, that the devil has on thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just talk to us about um, some of your thought life whilst you were going through depression and, and if you can, dive into those exact thoughts. Um, yeah, Risco, I think, sure, firstly, my faith took a massive knock. Um, I was feeling, sorry, I'm going to read a bit because COVID fog still, I think, and I uh, hope you don't feel it's not authentic. It's just uh, one and a half hours of uh, preparation hasn't yeah, been easy. Well. <laughs> yeah, I just felt these lies start fl- flooding in that I was unworthy, abandoned, um, unloved, un- unliked. I'm not even sure if that's a word. Unliked, is it? Okay. Yeah. So you know when you sort of unlike someone on social media. Um, and that was difficult. I, I didn't really mind being unliked. I fully understood it. I was unlikable um, at the time. Um, looking back now, there were still some people who seemed to like me, which is <laughs> nice. Thank you <laughs> for those out there. <laughs> um, I felt irrelevant. I felt I'd done my bit for, for God and the kingdom, and I was no longer any use. Um, and, but what probably hurt me the most was unreliable. I, I've never been unreliable. I've always stuck to my word. And I, I was finding that that was one of the lies that caused the most hurt to me because I would say yes to something, fully committed at the time, when I was in a fairly healthy space, I suppose. Sorry, I'm looking at you through the top of my glasses. Um, when I was in a fairly healthy space. But uh, then when I got to do what I was, said I'd do, I just didn't feel at all like it. And I would then say no, no matter what, you know. So that, 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 that hurt. Um, and, and you can just imagine these emotions hitting you, you know, because of that, I, I, I was exhausted. You know, I was really exhausted. And, and these things hit you all at once, you know. So I didn't have the strength to go search for the truth. It just really just seemed easier to believe the lies, you know. And especially during my weakest times. Um, during my strongest times, I was able to capture those negative thoughts, as the Scripture says. I was able to capture them. Um, but I didn't really have the strength to, to fill that vacuum, because obviously I was capturing the thoughts and kicking them out, but it created a vacuum. Mm. And I didn't have the strength to, to uh, you know, fill that vacuum with joyful, positive so- uh, thoughts. Yeah. And, and e- these lies then became more and more believable on each cycle. Um, again, Psalm 88 from, from the psalmist here, man. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who li- li- lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. You are cut off from your care. You can see the lies starting to come through for him, um, that he's saying God remembers him no more. But I cry to you, Lord, in the morning my prayer uh, cry to you for help, sorry, O oh Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, O oh Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? We know there's a lies. You have taken my companions and loved ones from me. The darkness is my closest friend. All lies that, that uh, we get told by Satan. Yeah. So I just want to dive into there because if you are in a place of pain, you will be having lies come flying through. And, and Dave said, a few profound things in there. There were a whole, a whole bunch of them. One of them is that he didn't have the strength uh, to replace them. You know, it's one thing to go, no, that's a lie. That's rubbish. It's a whole other thing to go, Philippians 4, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is uh, honorable, whatever is true, whatever is trustworthy, think on these things. You know, scripture doesn't want us to just block. It wants us to fill if you don't fill, then what you're going to do is spending your life on the defensive. And if you spend your life on the defensive, you're going to get exhausted. And so that's, that's what's happened for so many of us. In fact, I would say that one of the blessings I've had in the last season is uh, 
my coach actually said to me, Ross, six times a day, you need to stop, just look around, and just thank God for the things you love. And so six times a day, I just stop. And I go, oh, thank you for my mates. Thank you for my wife, for my kids. Thank you, Lord, for the community you've put me in. Thank you, God, for kite surfing, the best sport on the earth. Thank Second you, Lord, best. that I don't play golf. Thank you, Lord. Uh, and, and you know when you, when you sit in those thoughts of gratitude, you actually start to feel it seeping in. You start to feel the joy seep in. And when you sit in the defensive mode of, that's not true, you, you can actually find yourself, because you, you're now fighting, you can literally feel the joy seeping out. Mm. And so I think one of the things, we're going to keep diving into the thoughts, but one of the things we have to get right is replacing them with something life-giving. It's, it's important. But Debbie, um, you, you said another thing that, that I, I love, and I want to just dive in here for a moment. You said, your thoughts were, you, you named that, unworthy, abandoned, unloved, unliked, irrelevant, and unreliable. Which is ridiculous because you're one of the most likable people on the earth. And, uh, and, but I can understand what was going on here with you feeling those ways. Are any of you, have any of you been feeling like you're just one of those things or you're just, you're just not who you want to be? You're just... You see, those things are accusations. Those words, they're, they're things other people say about us, they're, they're accusations. And we know that the ultimate accuser is Satan. And so what happens is if he accuses you and you accept it, it goes from being something someone says about you to something that shapes your identity, and when it begins to shape your identity, it will destroy you. And so let's, let's just dive a little bit deeper, because when you're at your lowest points, were you able to identify, man, that is from Satan, or was it just thoughts going on in your own mind? Talk to us about that. Um, at the time, Roscoe, they felt like they were my own thoughts, um, and perhaps it's because I just didn't care. You know, I didn't have the energy to go and see if they weren't. Um, but looking back, they were, yeah, absolutely lies from the enemy. I mean, it was so clear. Um, it's, it's, he's the father of lies, you know. Um, another one of the enemy's strategies during depression um, is that, you know, to deflect and deceive us so much uh, that we don't go searching for truth. Um, yeah, so typical hateful lies from him. But they debilitated me. You know, they caused me to, to devalue and neglect all the good things that uh, God had blessed me with, my family, my friends, work, uh, my heart for social justice, and uh, even church attendance. All of those got affected. Um, you see, he, he, the thoughts he assaults you with, they come in in various forms. You know, Sometimes they're creeping little lies. Sometimes they just assault you like a full-on barrage, and uh, you just feel absolutely worthless to the extent you want to end it all, which is you know, quite a common symptom. And I remember having many thoughts, you know, how best to end it all and escape this pitas and, you know, the various methods of suicide. But I don't know this for sure, but I suspect it, that Satan's strategy with me was um, not to get to me to end my life, um, but just to get me to rather permanently turn away from God. Yeah. Um, now, now, this would have been a major victory for him. And I'm, please, guys, I'm not blowing my trumpet here at all. But when I was effective... Um, uh, as Roscoe said, I was on eldership. I was both here and in, in Kloof, our Kloof site. We helped 
launched the Kloofsat. I was the chairman of Weir Durban that you saw behind there, um, running a three, two businesses. Uh, I was just doing way too much. And, and the businesses were very, I'm a, in business I'm still involved in is really strong in social justice. So I, I do think the enemy would have made a meal of those lies, you know, to people that knew me. Um, that, sure, look at Dave, he's turned away from God, you know. And please, I'm not blowing my trumpet, but I, I think that's what his strategy was yeah. um, with me. And it almost became effective, you know. So, yeah, it's the power of, the lie, of his lies that can deposit into our psyche. No, I, th- I think, you know, I know this is getting really heavy, and it's actually good that it gets heavy. But uh, I think if we don't feel the owl of lies, if we don't hate them, we won't get out of the messes we get ourselves into. And, you know, when you think about lies, lies are what wars are fought over. Nazism was based on a set of lies, not based on Hitler. Hitler was just the face for it. The reason that, that America could never win the war on terror is because a tank can't beat ideology. Lies can destroy. And when the liars I'm unloved, whether that was because of breakup or because of daddy issues or mommy issues, if you, if you really intrinsically believe that, and it gets into your psyche and it gets into your neurobiology, what will begin to happen is that you will begin to behave the lie. And you'll start to act in an unworthy manner. And what will begin to happen then is people begin to treat you in an unworthy manner. And the cycle will keep happening until the lie becomes a truth. Okay, I'm trying to get you to hate lies. <laughs> because lies will rob, kill, and destroy. And, and if there's anything about depression and mental health, what it forces you into is a place where you just don't have energy to do stuff. And the one thing you can do is reflect and go, Jesus, what are the lies? And you can begin to deal with them. Now, Davy, you began to deal with them, and let's, let's go into a happier space because God did some incredible stuff probably in the last, what, six months? And uh, talk to us about how he began to heal your soul. Yeah, so Roscoe, I think looking back again, um, what God did, he blessed me with some amazing friends before. I fell into depression, really close friends. And um, I think, you know, out of any single biggest reason, that was what started my healing. Um, there was a, you know, a good friend of mine, Brett, who I've been in business with before, and a friend of mine, Johnny, who was the doctor, um, Trav and Paul Jensen were on the eldership team with us, and these guys have just really prayed into me. Katie, yeah, um, Ross Blair, who's, a, who's a, up at the Kloof site, and he's worked for me for a while now. He takes over so much of my responsibility at work. And then uh, Roscoe as well, you know. So these were really solid friends who loved me no matter what. I mean, no matter how ugly I was and prickly, these guys really loved me through this. And then my wife, Sam, you know, is obviously more than just a friend. She's been, oh, I can't talk without crying there, but... I've always invested in my friendships, okay, before the time. I've I've invested deeply. I mean, I don't take them lightly. Um, You know, so so during this time, I I needed them desperately. It didn't look like I did, but I I needed them desperately. And and the friends that I'd chosen and invested were were diverse. So so if I can encourage you, you know, don't go and look for friends where you think they are. They're diverse. You might have things in common in that, but they're not always like you. I mean, look at Roscoe and I. We're really good friends. You know, he's... (laughs) Young and fairly handsome, 
Um, I'm not. Um, I'm was. Um, <laughs> he's away. <laughs> I'm gentle. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you can really just don't limit yourself to who you think your best friend is going to look like. Let God choose that for you and invest in it. Um, one of my really close friends and most loved friends and I, we used to check in every couple of weeks, you know, just to see almost like score what is what is our heart like, what does our mind look like, what is our soul, you know, we used to score it out of 10. Um, and it used to be sort of heart five and maybe mind four on a not so good week. Um, maybe that was a good week. And then soul. And then it took us a while, a few weeks to realize our soul is a 10 out of 10. Our soul has been trying eternal. So we just stopped scoring our souls. <laughs> and we scored every, we just checked in every now and then for our, our minds, how are we doing? Um, and that really helped. And Proverbs twelve twenty six. I don't know if it's going to come up. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. From Job sixteen twenty twenty one. My intercessor is my friend, as my eyes pour out to te- our tears to God. On behalf of a man, he pleads with God as one pleads for a friend. Now, this was really critical. Because I know I was not pleading to God in my dark times. Ross was. And my friends were pleading to God. They were intercessing for me. They were shining the light of Jesus into my life. I felt like darkness still, but the light was there. Really important. Ecclesiastes 4.10. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and there's no one to help them up. And we've done that with each other, I think, a lot. I mean, we've had, you know, it's like running a comrades together or whatever. You, you don't always, not always in the right space. One of you's down, one of you's up. Same as life. Uh, you're going to need to help each other, lift each other up through, yeah, through life. So I hope that helps. Um, a, a little while ago, Amy, I think a week or two, she shared a beautiful picture of roses growing and blossoming in, in Durban. Do you remember? Mm. Um, I think about Mr. Price and that. Yeah. After service, I did a bit of research on roses. And one of the things I learned is that the thorns of roses actually grow down. Um, and the reason that they do is to stop animals climbing up and, and, and eating the petals. Um, and those prickly rose things are your friends. They might look prickly to you at the time, and they did, because Ross will tell you, he tried to reach out to me often, and I just said, you know, and my other friends too. But that, that's what those, those are for. And, and during, before, when Angel's praying before the service, I had another picture that there was a chain around those uh, thorns. You know, and the chain was either a heavy one and dipping the rose down so that the creepy crawlies could eat the petals, or it was a light one just around the the, the stem. Um, and and the, the the friends that weren't in that core were praying for those chains to be broken. Okay, and that was important. So it's critical if you're suffering with this stuff, let people know you need a wide circle of prayer friends because when the prayer friends break that chain, the thorns then can be exposed. Otherwise, the creepies can crawl up those chains. Okay, exposes those thorns. The thorns point down is to defend you against the enemy's attack, you know, so that they don't get to eat those fragrant petals of God's grace. Yeah. Friends, this is brilliant stuff um, for, a, for a few reasons. When you are in depression or when you're in anxiety, when you're in mental health issues, the thing you want to do is isolate. You don't want to be around people. You don't have the energy to be around people. And so I heard one person put it this way. You build bridges in times of peace so that in times of war, people can get to you to help. 
we, we've got to build our friendships. If, you, if you're here and you're going like, well, I'm not depressed, not my problem. It, it, build bridges in times of peace. And then the second thing I would say is, I mean, I have quite a strong mind. I, I, I know the scriptures. So I know what it means to take captives, uh, th- thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I understand the concept. I'm going to explain it in a moment. But, but here's what I found. If I did it on my own, I would have some level of success. If I spoke about it to someone, I would have full success. Because the enemy is putting lies into your brain. And you may go, yeah, the Bible says... But when you say, when I say to Angel, when I say to Ames, or when I say to Davey, Flip, I am feeling so sore because this person said this. And then they go, oh, why do you think they said that? And then I go, I don't know, maybe this, this, and this. In that conversation, what's beginning to happen is the power of that lie is just fading. I'm starting to break free. And uh, it's in the conversations with a friend as we bring stuff into the light that what what actually happens is those shameful thoughts that will debilitate you, they lose their power, and God can begin to produce new thoughts by renewing our our mind. But, Debbie, let's just go from there, from friends, because that was the big thing. What truths helped you? Um, I I think just before I... Tap into that. Just something you said now when I was driving in just earlier. Um, I know this has been lastminute.com, so I must add this, I think. Um, is that I had an analogy with, with COVID, with a vaccination. I think that first vaccination was perhaps putting our hands up and for Jesus. You know, it gives us protection. Um, but it's the, And some of us said that perhaps a Johnson one that lasted a bit longer and stronger. But it's, it's, that, it's that connection into, into the fellowship of believers. It's maybe your second shot. And I'm, because I'm not having a go at anti-vaxxers here, but that first one's your commitment. The second is, and we may need more of them, you know. So there's a little bit of analogy there that hopefully helps. Um, but yeah, even you know, with the with all the damage caused by the lies and negative thoughts, and the, and 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 the and the devastation of my faith, I'm going to get up here because this is really important. So even with all that lies, now you can imagine how worn I was and, and exhausted. I still knew the ultimate truth was that um, Jesus died for me. That God actually did love me. It wasn't sitting here. It felt mostly like it wasn't sitting here, but it was certainly in my soul. Um, and and that that ultimate truth really helped because I knew that that was written on my heart, okay, forever. I knew my soul was eternally in His care, and that then helped with the healing of my mind. When you um when you have one truth in your spirit, it will carry you through this. When you have truth upon truth upon truth in your spirit, what, what begins to happen is, is you, you form a, a defense line. You know, when Jesus dealt with the attack of the devil, the lies, the temptations, all of that, he, he had a defense weaponry of Scripture that Satan didn't really have a chance because Jesus just had truth after truth after truth. Satan would pop a lie. Jesus would tell the truth. He'd pop a lie. Jesus would tell the truth. Friends, we, we have to have a level of truth that we can access. Now, what I love about Davy is that if you think about it, 
he felt unreliable because emotionally he often didn't have the energy to be reliable in that season. But shame would have said, you are an unreliable person. Truth would have said, I'm being unreliable in this season because I don't have enough energy. And he reasoned himself, because taking thoughts captive is actually reasoning with God. God says again and again throughout the scriptures, come, reason with me. Let's have a chat. Let's talk through your dumb ideas. <laughs> Why does he do that? Because he knows we're easily deceived. Come, let's have a conversation. Let's get you some scripture. Because the scripture will be able to pop you out of I'm a reliable person into I'm in an unreliable season into because I know Jesus got me, I will be reliable again and this will not affect me. Friends, what's your lie? What's the thing right now that is a lie that went from a I did this to I am this Because God has a scripture for you. He has a truth for you. And uh, I would love nothing more than this week. You just spend the week identifying lies. All the, all the psychologists will tell you, you need to spend 16 minutes a day staring out into the blue and daydreaming. For some of you, if you tried to spend 16 minutes daydreaming, all you would have is a lot more problems it's called anxiety. But if you did it every single day and you went, Jesus, what's the lie? I think he would put his finger on something that he would ask you to speak about with a friend that will set you free. Now, church, the reason we're doing this series is actually not for you. It's for someone you know. And so... You getting this stuff through your soul is the gift you give to the city. Because once you've dealt with some stuff, you can help them deal with some stuff. And if you're in here and you're in so much pain, hey, we've got some people to help. We'd like to help. But you have a God who will help. So once you stand, I want to pray over you. Jesus, I thank you that though this can feel so painful, Lord, it can be the biggest gift to set us up for the greatest glory of you. And so, Jesus, we will take this moment and we will use it, Lord. Wherever we're at, we'll use it to build friends. We'll use it to shape truth. But we ask, God, that this week you put your finger on lies and then you speak your truth and then you give us a friend. We ask this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen.